Kensington! Woo! So good to see you guys. So good to be seen. You know what? If somebody had told me the world would change tremendously, completely like this, I would have taken any bet that it wouldn't have. But it's such a weird time. We can't even greet each other the way we're used to. We can't touch each other. We can't even do the normal stuff. So we have a video that's going to show you how to greet each other in these social distancing weird times. Take a look at this and I'll be back up after. Hi, how's it going? How you, you doing, doing good? You doing good? Same. Good to see you. <laughs> Hey, how's it going? Hello, Andy. Hello, Carl. How are you today? Good, you? Good. Oh, no. What's I happening? I think we are shutting down. Oh, no. I was just beginning to love. Hey, Carl. Hi, Andy. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, Andy. Hey, Carl. How's it going? Not bad. Can you complain? I could, but who'd listen? <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, me either. Hey, Carl, put it there. Za. Za. Yellow. And then I said, that's not a toaster, that's my wife. <laughs> That's incredibly inappropriate. It's a joke. Hey, Andy. Hey, Carl. Chest bump? Sure. Okay. You okay? Let me help you. Yeah. Let me. Let me. Hello, Andy. Hey, man. How's it going? Fine. All right, good seeing you. Yeah, good seeing you. Hey, Carl. Hey, Andy. What are you doing? I'm a dinosaur. Ah. I get that, but like, why? Uh, they're wearing a mask. So you bought a dinosaur costume instead? Yeah. Okay. Well, good seeing you. Good seeing you. Take it easy. Yeah. Hey. Hey. pretty hilarious. I am so going to get one of those balls and just blast my kids with it, right? That is hilarious. Okay, you know what? Church usually is a place where we tell you to take the masks off, but uh, not anymore. <laughs> 
we're going to ask you to keep the masks on, and we're going to go over a few rules that we want you to just follow while we're here. You know, one of the things that we're called to as a church to do is respect our government and respect the places and the facilities that we're using. And so what we're going to do is we're going to try and respect this school with what they've asked us to do and respect the government what they've asked us to do. So first rule is we're going to keep our masks on. Do your best to keep your mask on. If you have breathing problems or asthma, that's a different story. We can talk about that, and I think you can not have it on. I think that's what they say. But a couple things. We have hand sanitizers everywhere. So you can sanitize, you can spray it, spray down your friends and your family, whatever you want to do. You know, eventually maybe I'll have a full body sanitization booth. That might be a, sorry, I swirled there for a second. Anyway, so hand sanitizers. And thank you for following the distancing with just sitting with gaps in between you. That's what we're just trying to do in the large group gathering. And I know this is different, but you're here, right? And one of the other cool things is, We are doing live streaming for the first time. So for anybody that's watching online, thank you so much. We love you. I don't know where you're at, which camera you're at, but I love you. We we miss you. We can't wait to see you when you come back. We respect your choices, and we can't wait to see you. So let me jump in for a few announcements. So one of the things you've noticed is we couldn't hand you anything. Couldn't give you a pen, we couldn't give you paper, and we can't give you an offering basket. So we got to set up some things for you. So we have these boxes over here on the way out. You can just drop your offering in the boxes as you go out. That's not for prayer. Prayer is free. The boxes are for the offering. And if you want to give online, you can go to kensingtonorlando.org slash giving, or you can use the MyWell giving app. That's another way for you to give. And lastly, we have students and Man Up events happening all summer. So I want you to go online. You can go to kensingtonorlando.org slash events. We've got events, outside events. Who's tired of Zoom? I'm tired of Zoom. <laughs> Everybody's tired of Zoom, right? We're going to be doing things in person and social distancing. We're still trying to follow the rules and the guidelines because that's our job to do. But we just want to give you guys opportunity to actually have some face-to-face interaction with people. So we'd love for you to get involved. And today, since we can't do the Kensington Crunch anymore, today we're just going to do the air high five. You can make the noise if you want. So before we jump on with the service, you can just turn and go to somebody, and we're going to move on. All right? Welcome back, welcome back, 
Was there something that made you come back again? The wall could ever lead you. Back there where we need you. Well, we tease him a lot because we got him on the spot. Welcome back. 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 Yeah, we tease him a lot. Cause we got them on the spot, welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back, Kensington. Are you guys glad to be here? Yeah, and this fun. It's so fun to finally be back in person. Welcome to Kensington Corona style. Now that would mean something totally different about 10 months ago. But now everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, but you guys look amazing in your mask. It's so fun to see the creativity that people are showing up with. I just have like a black one, but you know, I wanted it to match my shoes. So anyways, um, it's been a long time, longer than any of us really anticipated. Um, and for those of you online, we are streaming online for the very first time. Welcome again. We are really glad that you're spending some time with us. Um, we hope that your experience is as good there as it is here. But as always, there is nothing like being in the room. So want to invite you back when you feel comfortable and safe. We'd love to have you back in the room with us. Um, but it has been a weird four months, hasn't it been? Like, like bizarre. We have done things we never thought we'd do. We've experienced things that we never thought we would experience in our lives. Um, and, uh, but the interesting thing about it, as I kind of read the news, watch news, talk to people, and kind of look at what's going on globally, we are all in this together. I mean, there is not a single person on this planet that has not been impacted by this coronavirus thing. And so I want us to have a little bit of fun with the last four months, especially, uh, you know, with, with where we live and what we've, been all deal, what we've all been dealing with. Um, I want us to have a lot of fun because there's not a whole lot of news coming out that's good. And so uh, let's have fun with the last four months. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to play a game. And the game is called Stand Up If. I'm going to read something, and I'm going to ask you to stand up if you have done this particular thing, and this is all kind of having to do with the coronavirus. So we're going to start with this. I want you to stand up if you have watched a binge-watched a whole season of any show. Stand up if you've binge-watched a whole season of any show. Okay, now stay standing if you've binge-watched two or more. Okay, three or more. All right, stand up if you watch four or more binge-watched. Um, you show five. Five, you guys watch five seasons? Okay, five seasons. Um, I was at four. I keep forgetting to stay standing. So I was at four seasons of, my, of this new show that I'm watching. I'm in season five, but I haven't finished it yet. All right, stand up if you have slept in past 10 a.m. anytime over the last four months. <laughs> that is awesome. I can't do it, man. My kids set my clock inside at like 7 a.m. when they were little, and I can't break it. All right, go ahead and have a seat. Good job. 
All right, stand up if, we're going to be Catholic today, lots of standing and sitting, okay? Um, Stand up if you have had a three-day span where you did not leave your house. Three days and didn't leave your (laughs) house. I love it. Isn't that crazy? Look at us, man. We're just like, we are sheltering in place, people. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. All right, next one. Um, Stand up if, this is for you nerds out there, stand up if you have read more than three books cover to cover since the last four months. All right, way to go. That's awesome. Okay, now have a seat. Now stand up if you planned on reading a book cover to cover over the last four months and didn't get to it yet. (laughs) That's me, that's me. All right, go ahead and have a seat. All right, um, stand up if you have watched an entire episode of Tiger King over the last four months. Go ahead. (laughs) Some of you, (laughs) you're like, oh, crud, okay, I'll stand up, I'm in church. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. All right, stand up if you have been on a Zoom call and a family member has walked behind you and didn't realize you were on a call and interrupted the meeting. There you go, I love that. That is so fun. I've done that, oh, I've done that to my wife numerous times. All right, so um, I'm just lucky that most of the time when I walk past her, which is me in the bedroom, I'm like, we're in clothes, it's good. So, um, so uh, all right, so uh, stand up if you have done a Zoom meeting with business on top and pajamas or underwear on the bottom. <laughs> yes, that is good. I like that. That's the way to go. I like it. All right, so um, stand up if you have walked into a store and you have forgotten your face mask and you had to do the walk of shame back to your car to get your mask because you forgot it. Yes, I've done that so many times in the last couple of weeks. All right, and the last one, stand up if you personally know somebody that has gotten the coronavirus. Go ahead and stand up. There you go. It's crazy, isn't it? This thing is just crazy. Uh, we'll go ahead and have a seat. And I'll just say this. We are all in this together for sure. That is just the way this thing is going. And um, our lives have just changed. Our lives are different now. The way we interact with each other are different. Um, our society as we know it um, has really changed. There are things that from here forward are, are just going to be how we do things. Um, you know, it's like there's going to be a change in what is socially acceptable behavior. Um, and we aren't done yet. I think there's more changes to come because, like, we're still having to deal with this thing. And what's going to happen is this will always be that time where you look back and go, remember when this started and it has now become a social norm. Like when are normal greetings going to happen again? Like I have gone to people and I'm going, hey, and had them go, you know, and I'm like, oh, that was like a little awkward, but that's okay. You know, I've grabbed people's fists because they do this and I'm like shaking hands. Um, it's like just, we're just different now. And uh, we are in week six of uh, a series called Binge Watch. And um, we have been binge watching the lives of some of the great characters in the Old Testament. We started with four episodes of Joshua. And then uh, last week we started a new, uh, a new um, three episodes on Nehemiah. And uh, if you missed any of it, I would encourage you to go back and binge watch the last five weeks of our series. We'd love for you to catch up. Um, but in the Nehemiah episodes, um, it's very fitting because these three weeks, we're in week two of the Nehemiah episodes. There's three of them. Um, we are talking about change. And not the kind of change that is forced on you, because we've all had changes forced on us because of what's happened over the last four months. But I want to talk about the kind of changes that you want to make. Um, Because I believe something fundamentally at the core of my being about you and about me, and that is this. There is a desire in every single one of us to change. We all have a desire to change some part of our lives for the better. Every single one of us. We all have areas in our lives that we know aren't right. We all have um, areas in our lives that cause problems in relationships. They cause problems that we have in our careers. Um, We all have areas that we just, they're good, but we want to see them become great. There's just a problem when it comes to change. And the problem is lasting change is really hard. 
lasting change, the kind of change that changes you for the better for the long haul, is really, really hard. And we know that because how many times have you tried to change and you've just failed? How many times have you tried to change and you've told other people you're going to change and you've failed so many times that even people close to you don't think you can change? Like we all have areas that that's just us. And so in the, in the Nehemiah episodes, we're asking the question, is lasting change possible? And if it is, how? How do you do it? How do you change so that the people around you are like, no, that person's different. They are different than they were because the change they said they were going to do actually happened and it has stuck. And I'll just tell you this. This is what I believe and our church believes. And that is that lasting change can absolutely happen in your life. Lasting change is precisely what God is in the business of doing in our lives. And what God wants to do in your life is he wants to change you for the better. He wants to renovate, he wants to revitalize, he wants to enhance, upgrade, transform, upscale, innovate, develop in you something new and powerful and full of life, life to the full. God's end game for you is to be conformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And when you are conformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, you live a life that has more joy in it than you have now. And it has more, you're more hopeful. There's more peace in your life. There's more self-control. You have a better marriage and relationships than you do now. You become better parents when God gets a hold of you and starts to bring about lasting change. Because God wants you and I to experience more. Life to the full. So last week, Clint talked about four steps to change, and I want to kind of go over just as a little recap of our, of our episode uh, last week. You know how they always do the recap from the week before? This is your recap. If you're going to experience long-term change, there's four steps that you've got to start with. The very first one is nothing's going to change in your life until you get mad enough about where you're at to actually change it. So it's not going to change until you get to the point where you say, no more, this is not happening again. I'm putting my foot down. This will not be a part of my story moving forward. Things won't change until you get to that point. Secondly, um, things will not change because uh, unless you do this next step, and that is invite Jesus and God into the process. You can't change on your own willpower because you've failed enough times to know that, right? I'll just tell you, I have failed enough times to know that my willpower cannot bring about lasting change. It can bring about um, some change, but lasting change, that's a God thing. And so the second step is you bring God into it. You start praying about it. God, help me with this. I want to change here. Give me this. Give me that. I need you to be involved in this process. Third part of changing is confessing your part of the problem, your issue. It's confessing uh, and, and owning your part. Because if all of the problems in your life are somebody else's fault, you will never change. Until you go, wow, okay, I'm part of the issue here. Yes, this happened to me. Yes, this person did that to me. But you know what? I need to own my part and confess that. Um, And then the last one is you actually have to do something about it. You have to act on making the change. It's like at the end of the day, until you act on the change, nothing's going to change. If you're going to wait for change to happen to you, it ain't coming. You're going to have to act on it and go make it happen. We pull these steps right out of chapter 1 of the story of Nehemiah. Go read it in your Bible in the book of Nehemiah. Um, So let me give you a little history to catch you up on where we're going today. We're going to move into chapter 2. Nehemiah was a Jewish, he was an Israelite in captivity in Babylon. Um, When Israel was conquered, they basically leveled Jerusalem, okay? That was the holy city, it was the capital, it was a a symbol of Israel's power. Um, It had been in ruins for 70 years when Nehemiah, um, when when chapter 1 and 2 happened. God gave Nehemiah this vision to rebuild the walls around the entire city and restore the power and prestige and protection of Jerusalem. So as we move into episode 2, 
which happens in chapter 2 of Nehemiah, we're going to continue the story of how God brings about this change. God gave Nehemiah a vision for a different future. And then uh, we're going to talk about how did uh, that change come through Nehemiah to the point where it changed an entire nation. And so today is titled, conveniently, We're All in This Together, um, because here is our truth for today. Our truth for today is this, lasting change in your life and in mine requires a team effort. Lasting change, if you are going to change, long lasting, change for the better, become the man, woman, leader, um, worker, parent, son, daughter that God intends you to be, if you're going to get there, requires a team effort. And so as I have in every episode here, um, you know, you have to pick an actor to play the part in the TV shows. And so here is the actor that I picked for this episode, Nehemiah chapter 2, the second episode. Um, I am going to cast Mel Gibson, William Wallace, and Braveheart. That is the guy that we're going to cast for this episode of Nehemiah. He rallied an entire army around his cause, and, uh, and he brought about incredible change in that movie if you if you haven't seen it in forever go watch it it's still good it's like got to be like a million years old right i don't remember i think it was like 20 25 years old it's still a great movie go watch it um and you'll want to have mel gibson hair okay i'm telling you that um but uh but but there are two biblical principles that i want to share with you today through the story of nehemiah gets to the heart of how you're designed because god designed you in a specific way and if you leverage the way god designed you can bring about change in your life. And so um, here is the deal. Nehemiah has this great vision of a different future, and he realizes two things that you have to realize and I have to realize if we're going to change. First is he can't rebuild this city by himself. Like Nehemiah is like, oh, they'll build the whole walls around the city of Jerusalem and restore Jerusalem. He says, I can't do it by myself. You can't change by yourself. You need other people's team effort. The second thing that Nehemiah realizes is that he is uniquely positioned to get the help he needs. He is the cupbearer to the king, so that means he's in relationship with the king of Babylon. And basically, the cupbearer is this, meaning every time the king ate or drank anything, Nehemiah had to eat or drink it first to see if it was poison. So basically, if Nehemiah got sick, the king didn't eat or drink it. If Nehemiah died, the king didn't eat or drink it. So basically, every time the king was thirsty, hungry, wanted anything to put in his mouth, Nehemiah's life was up for grabs, right? It's like if someone's trying to, ki to kill the king, I'm out. But what's interesting about that is not only every meal is his life on the line, but every meal he is in contact and building a relationship with the king over years and years and years the cupbearer and the king became very very close so nehemiah needs help he realizes he needs somebody and that he's uniquely positioned to do it to to to, to get the help he needs and he turns to the most powerful man in the region and that is king artaxerxes nehemiah 2 verse 1 in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine, I gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And he says this, I was very much afraid. Now, my little aside, this is not in the Bible, this is just my interpretation of the Bible. Why was Nehemiah afraid? Because Nehemiah is a dude, and it's scary to ask for help when you're a guy, okay? It's like, he's like, oh my gosh, I got to ask for help. This is really scary. So uh, that's my interpretation, just being a dude. Um, but, it, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. My, 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 why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. He invited God into that moment. A little side note, invited God into that moment. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in, your sight, in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. 
Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal parks, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent, get this, the king had also sent army officers and a cavalry with me. This is so bold. He says, King, I want to change Jerusalem, and I need your help. And this is what he asked for. I want you to give me as much time off as I need to rebuild the walls. I'd like you to write me letters so that I get safe passage through 800 miles of your territory. I would like for you to pay for the rebuilding, and I would like for you to protect me while I do it. Is that too much? And the king says, yes. The king says, of course. Nehemiah asked for help from the strongest person he knows, which gets me to the first principle of change. If you are going to see long-term change in your life, you have to embrace this principle, and that is this, where we are weak, others are strong. Where we are weak, others are strong. If you're going to experience lasting change, you need others to help you in the areas that you are helpless. King Solomon, one of the wisest men in history, wrote it this way, Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12, he says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm and be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Throughout Scripture, there is this principle of us needing each other and being stronger together. We function better together. We are designed to function better and perform better in team. And so I want to make a really strong statement that I don't think I can overstate. And that is this. Unless you are willing to invite people into the process, you will never experience lasting change in your life. Unless you invite other people into the process, you will never experience long-lasting change in your life. And I'll just give you an example from my own life. Melissa and I, we've been married for 23 years um, and after 23 years of marriage, our marriage is actually incredible. It's not perfect. could be perfect if she would pull her weight. I'm perfect. I'm a pastor. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. Um, but we are more in love now than we ever have been. She's my best friend. I am, I'm her best friend. And we aren't perfect. We have all the is uh, issues that other people have. Um, I'm selfish and I want my way. She is selfish and she wants her way. And we are raising four little selfish people that all want their way. So, yes, that goes on in our life. That's happening in our, in our house. Um, we don't have the perfect life. We don't have the, the perfect sex life. We, ha we have mostly one income. We have very different backgrounds. We, we always don't handle conflict the best. We aren't always kind to each other. We don't have it all together, but our marriage and our family, I would put up against anybody as being one that is just outstanding and fulfilling and full of love and joy. And it is constantly exceeding my expectations. It's like the more years go by, the more I'm like, this is so good. And I would love to tell you that we have an awesome marriage and an awesome family because we're awesome people. Like I would love to just say, well, hey, you take two awesome people and they get married, you get awesome, right? It's like, no, that's just not, it's not it. The reason our marriage and our family is so good and our parenting is what it is and we find healthiness in our family is first and foremost because we regularly invite Jesus to help us. We are regularly saying, God, I need your help. 
she says, I don't know what to do here. Lord, I am so upset right now, and I just want to lash out, and I need you to help me not do that because that's where my heart wants to go. It's Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. I'm praying that. Melissa's praying that. I hope our kids are praying that. Um, you know, but it's like we're, just, we're asking God for help almost daily. It starts there. But second of all, it's because of two very special people that God brought into our life, Jack and Kathy Wilson. Um, for those of you that don't know, I'm missing my left leg below the knee. Lost it when I was 24 years old, helping a lady change a tire um, seven months into our marriage. Um, you know, I'm in a coma for 10 days. I wake up. I don't know anything's happened, and we just have to rebuild our entire life. Well, I go to see this guy named Jack Wilson. Um, <clears throat> he's a counselor, executive coach. He's like all-around mentor-type guy. And I'd been told for months before this accident happened, hey, you need to go see this guy, Jack Wilson. You need to go see guy named Jack Wilson. And I'm total dude going, I'll get to it. Yeah, sure, I need to. I'll get there eventually. Well, I lose my leg and I realize I might need to deal with this. Like, I didn't want to be like the knight in Monty Python. You know, like he loses a limb and he's still like, oh, we have flesh wound, you know, and he's like totally not dealing with the issue. Um, you know, it's like, I didn't want to be like that. So I'm like, maybe I should go talk to this guy and get some help. Well, something really interesting happened when I went to meet with Jack. Like we, the first half hour we meet, all we talk about, we talk about the leg stuff. But I'm, I honestly, I was just kind of like, okay, my leg is gone. I need to deal with it. I don't need to talk about, you know, the, the loss. I want to talk about, you know, how do I put things back together? Well, the next half hour is he t starts asking me about our marriage and about my life and about Melissa's life and all this stuff. And so at the end of our meeting, he says, hey, I want to see you next week. And it was a cool meeting. That's my, like, first time I'd seen a counselor, like, as an adult. Um, and so, uh, so we leave, and he goes, hey, I want you to bring your wife back here next week. And I'm like, okay. So I go home, and I'm like, hey, Melissa, this guy wants to see you next week. And he's like, what? I don't want to see no guy. Why does he want to see me? What did you tell him? You know, and I'm like, I told him everything. No, I'm just, I'm just like, I don't know. He just said he wanted to see you. And so she's like, well, I'm going, but I don't want to, you know. So I made her go, and, and we just, we literally cried through the whole appointment because he just starts talking about our life and our marriage and digging into who we are and how we can have a better marriage and, and you know, dealing with the loss, but also helping us put together something new um, to the point where, like, a, a couple months later, he invites us to his wife. Uh, he uh, invites us over and we meet his wife and God just melted the four of our hearts together to the point where 23 years later we have had a set of bonus pairs is what we call them for 23 years um, that have just been in our lives and so to us um, Jack and Kathy they are child development experts which they actually are in real life um, but they are our child development experts um, they're marriage counselors they're psychologists they're bonus mom and dad they're executive coach they're friends mentors and 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 they're spiritual advisors to Melissa and I they are who we go to when we need to change and we're struggling and we don't really know where to turn and we don't know what's going on. They're who we go to. We call Jack and Kathy and we just go, hey, we need some help because we need to change, but we can't see it. And we, you guys are beyond us and you know, you know, you, you know you're, you're beyond where we are and we need your help to get there. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt that what Melissa and I have, while it's not perfect because we're both works in progress and we'll be our entire life um, this side of heaven, what we have and who we are is a direct result of God sending Jack and Kathy into our lives and us regularly asking for help. Because we need help if we're going to change. Which is why this principle, with this principle, there's an action step that Nehemiah took that you and I have to take if our cha if change is going to happen. And the action step is this. Take the bold step of asking for help. Guys, specifically, take the bold step of asking for help. Because we don't want to ask for help. We don't need help. No, we all do. And I'll just give you a little secret, okay? If you're sitting there going, I don't really need help and I don't really need to change, um, it, you, it, just let me tell you a little secret. Um, if you need to change, everyone else around you knows it. You're not hiding it and you're not keeping it from anybody else. You can't wear, like, you can't wear a mask that other people can't see through. It's just not possible. It's like you need help. All of us need help. 
If you need help in your marriage, it is time to boldly ask someone for help, a counselor, a mentor, a couple that you look up to. Ask for help. Be bold. If you're weak in your parenting, find some people that are great in their parenting and ask for help. If you're struggling in the business world, in your career, find somebody that's great in the business world, that's strong in the business world. Buy them a cup of coffee when Starbucks opens back up. I don't know. Get on a Zoom call with them. But engage them. Ask for help. If you want to change spiritually and grow, boldly ask someone that is more mature than you are to help you grow. Nehemiah realized that God had placed him in proximity to the perfect person to help, and that is the king. And he asks help for help boldly. And the king says yes. Nehemiah makes the journey. He begins to rally the entire community around rebuilding the city walls. And then in Nehemiah 2.11, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. And over the next few verses, he assesses the walls and, uh, and the gates and gets a good idea of what needed to be done. <clears throat> Huge undertaking, two and a half miles of wall, 40 feet high, um, average thickness was 8.2 feet, some places it was 24 feet thick, the walls had 34 watchtowers and eight gates, and uh, they, it was completely leveled, they had to rebuild all of that, two and a half miles, all done by hand, and we're going to get into how they did it next week, because it's actually fascinating, um, but the only way he accomplished it is our second principle for today, and that is this, change happens best in authentic community, change happens best in authentic community. Nehemiah makes his assessment of what needs to be done, and then he approaches the community and says, hey, would you help me? We're all in this together. Verse 17, then I said to them, do you see the trouble we're in? What is he being? He's just honest, authentic. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me, and they replied, let us start rebuilding. And they began this good work. And I'll just tell you, Nehemiah recruited the entire community, and they did not build, this, build the wall back one section at a time. They built the entire wall back at the same time. 52 days they had that wall rebuilt. And we're going to talk about, about how they did that next week because it's incredible. So your homework is to go read chapter 3 this week, Nehemiah. You can read 1 and 2 as well. Um, and you can start reading about one of the best uh, examples of teamwork found in Scripture. It's fantastic. Uh, it, it's incredible. Uh, and, and I want you to read that. But here's, here's where I, I kind of want to go. I've got one more action step for you. And that is this. If one of God's goals in your life is to see change happen, one of the ways he is going to elicit that change is through other people. You can't just say, God, change me, God, change me, God, change me, God, change me. Okay, I'm not changing. God, change me, God, change me, God, change me. That's not how God necessarily changes our lives. Can he do some change through that? Yes, but how can he do? The bulk of his work is going to be through other people. Why? Because where you are weak, others are strong. Ask for help. Get into authentic community with people who want to change as well. Do you realize that in our church there are people all over the place that want to change? They want to change their lives for the better. An authentic community means you are fully known and you fully know the other people in the group. That's what it is. Which gets me to an action step for authentic community. One of the best ways we have to offer you as a church to see life change happen in your life is this action step. It's take the bold step of joining a life group. Take the bold step of joining a life group. And a life group is simply 8 to 12 people that you meet with every week or two outside of Sunday mornings. And you study God's word. You do life together. You build spiritual-based relationships. And you bring accountability and change to your life. It will change your life. 
We have couples groups. We have groups for singles. Um, we have a young adult group that, that, that you can be a part of. We have men's and women's group. We have Celebrate Recovery starting this fall, which is for anyone with hurts, habits, and hang-ups that needs help. And I'm telling you, those small groups are life-changing um, life groups. Um, what the church has to offer you is Christ-centered people, life groups, to do exactly what we're talking about, help you change in the best way possible. Just help you change in the best way possible. If you're serious about change, I know no better way to help you than for you to join a life group. Take a bold step of asking for help and getting in a group of people where they know you and you know them. We have new groups starting in September. So I'm not even asking you to do it this Sunday, okay? I'm going to let you stew on it and everything. September, we're starting new small, new life groups. We're, we're going to launch a bunch, and I want you to be a part of it. So process that. You can actually sign up now if you want to be in a life group in September. You can go on our website, slash groups, and join, and just say, hey, I want to be in one. We'll get you in one this Saturday, this, uh, this Saturday, this September. Um, we'll, get, we'll get going on that. But I, I want to close um, with this. The change that you want to see in your life Yes, it cannot be done without other people, but I want to tell you where that change starts. The change you want to see in your life starts with Jesus. Starts with Jesus. And I'll just say it this way. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened in my life. Like, method, and he changed everything. Gave me vision, gave me a, an outlook on a future that I didn't know I could have. And it's just begun the work of bringing about people in my life that have brought so much incredible change. I look at my life and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, uh, he's changed me in every way for the better. And he's continuing to change me in the best way for the better. And he wants to help you do the same. And so I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus. If you never have, if today is your day of salvation and you're just going, all right, I'm going to accept Jesus today. I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now, right where you're sitting and, uh, and so I want to ask everybody in here and those of you online, would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? And um, if you have never stepped across the line of faith and invited Jesus into your life, um, I want you to pray. And I want you to invite Jesus in. And I want to just give you some words you can borrow. You can say them from your heart to God. You can say them quietly. You can maybe just say something like this. God, thank you for loving me right where I'm at. Today for the first time, I want to invite Jesus into my life. I believe he died on the cross for my sins, was raised three days later, defeating death, and I choose to follow him. Please forgive me of my sins and send me the power of the Holy Spirit right now to help me live my life for you. I surrender my life to you. And Father, for those of us who are followers of you, would you help us change to become more like your son, Jesus? Help us to reach out to those stronger than us and boldly ask for help. And I pray that each one of us would be willing to take the step of joining a group this fall to help facilitate that long-lasting change that you want every single one of us to experience. And God, as we change and as you do your work in us, Lord, may we just pull people along into relationship with you with us, Lord, so that all the people around us might experience the same kind of change that we are experiencing ourselves. In your holy name, amen.
as we stand to worship this morning, we're going to be doing a, a, a slightly new song for us. You've probably heard it on the radio. We did it last week uh, virtually. But the message of this song really is that even in our situations that we're going through with, with COVID and jobs and just all the unrest in our country, that when we don't see God working, we don't feel him working. God is working and he is our way maker. He is always there for us no matter what we do. So as we sing, I want to invite you to just make this song your prayer this morning as we lift up his name.
this morning with everything that's going on I want this next part to be your prayer that when you don't see God working in your life when you don't feel Him working in your life that God is moving regardless of your circumstances He loves you He moves in your life God is our way maker. When we declare that, we can hear God speaking. And when we hear God speak, when we celebrate who Jesus is and what he's done for you, we can celebrate that this morning. So this morning, I want this to be just a celebration of us, a celebration of God as we get to listen and hear him speak in our lives.